Hey everybody, welcome back. We are at it again, David here with Will. Welcome to another edition of The Text Lab. Will, a lot happened in this week. A lot has happened, baseball is back. Thank you to our faithful listeners, Rob Manfred and Tony Clark. I don't know actually if you guys are listening, but it sounded like you did after working out a deal. So just want to give that a shout out. Will is very excited that baseball is back. March Madness is also here. Which is David Turfsport. Grew up in Arkansas watching a little different sort of March Madness. Different March Madness. <laughs> Probably will tune in here and there, but who knows what's going to happen. So maybe, I doubt I'll maybe have a favorite sport bracket. to play. Probably ultimate frisbee or wiffle ball. Okay, so, there you top go. tier level sports. But once again, this is not a sports pa- podcast. This is the Text Lab, where every week we do a deep dive into the text to help our listeners dive into what God is saying to them this week. Our goal is simple: to help you be a disciple who makes disciples. So whether you're leading a life group or just trying to do some deep dive on your own, we hope this helps you have a meaningful study, reflection, and conversations about what God has said to us in his word. We are in Revelation 3, 1 through 6 this week. Let's dive in. And to the angel of the church in Sardis, write the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed, thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." Man, so good. Uh, Well, if you've made it this far to Revelation 3, great job, guys. I mean, we're cooking, we're going along, and again... So this is this is the fifth church that John is writing to in the circle of seven churches in Asia Minor. Um, and really what he's doing here is we have this heavy push for warning. Um, and, and we're trying to basically say, look, there are no other gods besides our one God, and that is Jesus. And he is the true God. Uh, and this situation is super dire in Sardis, uh, as the letter addresses only a small uh, accommodation that is out of order compared to the other letters for just a few names. This message is clear in the face of compromising cultural acceptance of local pagan worship. The church is told to change your thinking, repent, and return to faithful worship of God. Yeah, and Sardis would have been this kind of relatively new city. A major earthquake had impacted the city in about 17 AD, and during that time, Emperor Tiberius came and dedicated money and resources to really help the city rebuild. And as a result of that, the city built a temple to thank him and worship the Roman cult. Uh, This would have been kind of prominent practice in Sardis. And so again, this is a theme that keeps showing up in the seven letters of worshiping Christ, the true king, or um, stepping into kind of cult worship, emperor worship, and the real compromise that these Christians would have faced um, as they lived, whether they would have worshiped Jesus alone or whether they would have compromised their worship uh, by worshiping emperor following this cult, oftentimes facing um, real direct persecution at their refusal to step into that type of idolatry. So these believers are facing, again, these, these type of decisions that are at hand um, that are coming up against him. And it says at the beginning, these are the words 
words of the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, linking this again to Christ, how other letters have been introduced in this way. This is just this reference point again uh, of Jesus as the king, the one who sits on the throne, the one that holds the seven churches in his hands, this number of completion that Jesus is the true king um, who rules and reigns over all things. Yeah, man. And then you hear, wake up and strengthen what remains. And really what, what we, the heartbeat behind this is like, just become alert or be watchful and establish what is lacking. Like this situation in Sardis, Sardis, excuse me, is really happening because the church has kind of let down its guard walls and kind of just let culture overflow into their church. And so what you have is a lot of pagan worship going on here, like within the church. Um, and I, and I do want to be clear here because this is not like, is not saying like, oh my gosh, we shouldn't play modern day worship songs, right? Like it's not that sort of thing. It's like, actually we're doing these things for pagan worship gods. It's like, this is the, uh, worship activity that's directed to false gods. So this is really like what has been crept into the church in Sardis. Uh, and really like what they're saying is like, remember what we told you about Jesus and remember who God is exactly what you just said, crawl about like, yeah, Jesus is the one true God. Like he is the one who rules and reigns over all things. And, and we are called to bear witness to his name, both in word and deed. Yeah. And at the same time, there's this call to wake up there in verse three, there's this call to remember and repent again remember what Christ has done. And because you're remembering what Christ has done, that leads you into repentance. There would have been those in Sardis saying that you could practice these cultural pagan practices and worship Jesus at the same time. Jesus is saying here that that is not possible. That is not okay. That is not even um, a reality in the kingdom of God, that two things can sit on the throne of your heart. Jesus says this very clear in the gospels. You cannot serve both God and money as money symbolizing this idolatry of money or any sort of idol that we're worshiping. And he's saying that same thing again here. You cannot serve both Jesus and something else. Repent um, for that idolatry. Repent for that compromise. Change your thinking um, and repent and really enter into the gift and the invitation of repentance that Jesus is inviting them into. And he says here that there are some who have not soiled their garments. Really this encouragement to the church of Sardis, um, pointing them out as kind of the model to follow here, that there's some who have remained faithful. Um, they've not soiled their garments. They're, they're, that would have been this imagery for um, white clothes uh, representing really those who are righteous who are walking in the way of Christ, those who are aligned with Christ, following his way, following his kingdom, not giving into these pagan practices. And he's, Jesus is saying, those who have not sold the garments, they will walk with me in white. They'll walk with me in the kingdom, in the new life that Jesus has for us. I love how this really ties belief into action here. Sometimes we kind of split those things in our lives thinking, just believe and then your actions don't matter. But belief always leads to transformed actions. And that's what Jesus is calling them to, to believe, remember what he's done on the cross, but then also live and walk in the light. You're not justified by that, but that is the result of your belief in Jesus, to live and walk in, in the white and really to hold fast in the midst of temptation, in the midst of a world that is walking um, away from God and coming against God. Hold fast, um, walk continuously in, in uh, the light and in 
the righteousness of God. Yeah, and then we have this transition into the book of life, <clears throat> um, which really is just this common Old Testament idea. And uh, it, John is really like just pointing this back to the Old Testament. Like it's not anything like saying, oh my goodness, I don't want to get left behind, anything like that. Really, uh, it's just being a part of the family of God, right? It's it's exactly what we were just saying. Psalm 87 reflects on this, so the people uh, of the world and how the city of God uh, founded on <clears throat> Mount Zion is where God uh, is making a re- written record of these people. Uh, the idea here is that God's city draws the world to God when he records the people who are faithful to him. Uh, and, and it's not this like, f- I think that's something like important to see here. Like the book of life is not a fearful thing about your ability, right? Like so often we think about, I need to do all of these good things in order to be, have my name written in the book of life. But really what the book of life is, is those who have found Jesus um, and are trying to faithfully follow Jesus. That's a good will. I heard there was this Dallas Ward quote once here. He says that Jesus is not opposed to effort, but he is opposed to earning and being able to nuance that difference that you're not trying to earn your name to the book of life. You're going to come up incredibly short every single time. So you're not doing that to get your name written in the book of life, but there is the transformed actions that you are then living a life walking in the way of Christ. Yeah. And I think there's, there's an enjoyment in the way if you're walking with Christ, right? I think that's the difference. It's like repentance is finding more joy in Jesus than anything else. And it's realizing that freedom is actually freeing me to live in Jesus um, and not work to earn as you said, that's so good. And then, and then we see, I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Uh, since the book of life is present in this analogy, it's clear that this is a reference to the court of judgment of mankind before God and his council of angels for Jesus to confess, to literally acknowledge one's name before God and the court of angels is to be renounced part of an, a allegiance to Jesus in this formal proceeding. And like, this is the beauty of the gospel, right? It's like, it's saying like, as we've been, been saved by Jesus, as we've believed and put our trust and faith in him. And as we're fighting for our joy in Jesus, uh, when the father looks at us, he really sees the son because the son has paid for our past, present and future sins. And the spirit is working in us to draw us deeper into that joy of Jesus. That's so good. That's so good. I think when I think about application uh, for this, my, my mind goes to two places. Some of what you just said of like this reality of what Jesus has done on the cross, living in that, walking in that. But then first, the the command in the beginning of this passage in verse two, just to wake up to that reality, uh, to wake up to the reality of what Christ has done begins with really where this passage ends. Again, he who has ears and ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. It's really just this invitation to pay attention, to open our eyes, to open our ears, to see just this reality of the kingdom, this reality of Christ, of what he has done and wake up to those realities. Um, we're often being drawn to sleep by so many distractions that all around us. Um, whether that's even March Madness at times, whether that's um, 
a job, whether that is just distractions of life, whether that is school, whether that can be family, whether that can be um, anything that we can, if we put it in its wrong place to where it becomes an idol, it can lure us to sleep. And there's just this reality of, oh, all those things find their proper place when we're awake to the reality of the kingdom of God in our lives. Um, And for me, that's just kind of an application of like, how do I stay awake? Every single day. How do I just every single day wake up to God and the reality of who he is and what he has done on the cross? Uh, that changes the way you live every single moment, living in the reality of the kingdom of God. And I think the difference there too, dude, is exactly what you just said. It's not a awakeness to watch out for the evil things in the world. It's an awakeness to find more joy in Jesus. Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. an awakeness to say, oh my goodness, this is where my treasure is. It truly is and what Christ has done. And when you are awake to that, that naturally allows you to fight and push yep. against the evil things of the world, but it begins with this awakeness to who Christ is, what he has done. What about for you, Will, application for this? Yeah, man, I think, like, again, so much of this text is just like, in so much of the book of Revelation, like, when we talk about repentance and we talk about, uh, you know, as you said, soiling their garments is like faithfulness, right? Faithfulness in who Christ is, faithfulness in his perfection and not our own. Um, and then just like, and realizing, like, really, repentance is acknowledging where we've, we have taken the lesser joy and asking for the spirit to draw us into deeper joy with Jesus. And I think like for me, that's so different, right? Of like, yeah, the idea of like effort is not a bad thing, but the idea of earning is. And for me in my life, like I want to earn, I want to be the guy to get things done and earn whatever it may be. And it just doesn't work that way in the kingdom of God, right? Like you can't earn your way to God. And I think I have to remind myself that my effort really can only be based on what Christ is doing in me. And as Paul says, like nothing in me is deserving of any uh, reward. Mm. Yep. Mm. So good. So good. Hey, well, whether you are filling out your March Madness bracket, watching some baseball, cleaning the house or mowing the lawn, we are glad you've joined us on the Text Lab. We hope you feel equipped, encouraged, ready to walk through the text with your group this week. As always, do your own prep. Let the Spirit lead you and know that you are the one who is sent by God this week into your family, into your school, into your work, in your coffee shop, the gym, spring training, wherever those places may be where your prayer watch community might be and wherever God invites you to go to be the living proof of our loving God. We love you all. We'll catch you next time on the Text Lab.